Hello everyone, welcome to Figment of My Reality, where we talk about the true stuff that makes this big old world seem made up. I'm your first co-host, Jeremy Bales. I'm your other co-host, Jason Wright. So Jeremy, who do you think, who are you going to vote for in this next <laughs> presidential election? I, I assume you're referring to the uh, recent announcement that, yes, Yeezy has announced his candidacy for 2020, <laughs> hashtag 2020 vision. Um, I'm still holding out for Dwayne The Rock Johnson with the campaign slogan of Rock the USA <laughs> to uh, to announce his um, candidacy. Uh, that's That would be my, my true hope, honestly. I, I you don't have just any- write them in. And then you can write your slogan right beside it. Yeah, and, and maybe they'll count it as two guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, be, I'm going to start first doing. One. I'm going to start doing a campaign to try to get people to write in for Tupac. And I'm thinking, okay. if we if we get enough votes and get him to win, or at least get him close, maybe he'll come out of hiding and it's a bold strat. Finally, finally introduce himself again. Come Reintroduce back into the himself. Way. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So that that's your guy, huh? That's your running mate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Well, I I don't know, I think I'd probably favor the governor over the Tupac, <laughs> mostly because I want Tupac to just sort of continue his life in peace. I'm I don't want him to come out of hiding to try to deal with the uh, the current political melting pot of what's going on. <laughs> Could you think of a better reason to come out though? Yeah, yeah, like uh, maybe Biggie comes back. <laughs> That'd probably be a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> or just all of them. Just yeah. See how many we can fit in on the line. How, how many people name, can come comma. back from the dead? <laughs> name, comma, name, comma, name, comma. And and we have five presidents. Now now we're, now we're working with something here. Now <laughs> exactly. we're cooking with oil. I'm going to because... vote for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, comma, Tupac, comma, comma Biggie, Yeezy. Comma. <laughs> that way we have a nice balance. You know, there has to be an odd number so that there's... Someone to settle the disputes. Uh, and not only do we get the ultimate presidential group, we also create one of the best bands <laughs> ever in the history of the world. True. Uh, that being the case, what is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's instrument? I don't think it's his vocals. His muscles. <laughs> his muscles are the percussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if he flexes them hard enough, it'll give off like a snap of a whip. Different muscles go. will give different notes. Now, I think as another sort of maybe the person to be the odd number, uh, to always have the final say in settling disputes, the one, the only, yes, Jason, Arnold Palmer. (laughs) (laughs) What, I mean, what more do you need? He was a prolific golfer and had one of the best beverages uh, known to man in the half and half. (laughs) Well, I think we steer people in the right direction for for today. Yeah, and, and if nothing else, that's what our show is always about. Giving people <laughs> yeah. po- positive political advice. <laughs> if you take away nothing from this show, know that that's always our aim. You can interpret that however you choose to. And if you write in what we suggest, no, you won't be alone. There will be two <laughs> other people writing that in. Yep. You, single viewer, single listener, <laughs> you will not be alone. <laughs> okay so my story today is about two normally passive countries in switzerland and Liechtenstein. so for people that don't know 
what Liechtenstein is. I'm assuming most people have heard of Switzerland, but Liechtenstein is very, a very, very small country in Europe. It's only about 62 square miles, making it smaller than Washington, D.C. Uh, but they... Jason, if I may, anyone mm-hmm. who has seen the movie A Knight's Tale is intimately familiar with Liechtenstein. So I think you can go ahead and skip the intro on <laughs> Little Liechtenstein. <laughs> uh, for, the, for the one or two people that haven't seen it, <laughs> <laughs> they have about 37,000 people in their country and no military because they're they're so small but they do pack a punch in the profit wealth area they are one of the richest countries in the world heck yeah and the largest producer of false teeth so that's interesting thing to be known for i would say (laughs) yeah and then switzerland oh these dentures oh they're liechtenstein (laughs) obviously only the best and then switzerland on the other hand mountains chocolates swiss army knives and usually known as a peaceful and neutral country but if you lived in Liechtenstein, you might not think switzerland was all that passive and neutral in december 5th 1985 switzerland actually invaded in quotation marks Liechtenstein. and how this accidental invasion happened is the swiss were running some practice shots on some missiles mm-hmm and when they're launching these missiles, it's uh, a pretty stormy, windy day. They probably shouldn't have been doing the tests in these environments. And some people in the, in the Swedish army pointed that out, but they decided to do the tests anyways. <laughs> and We're going for it. Uh, sir, we can't see five feet in front of our faces. We're going for it. And in these windy, we're pretty can, can, neutral most of the time. Why do we need? We're going for it. <laughs> it's only practice, you know. It wasn't like they really needed to do it that day. It wasn't like yeah. A, like Tomorrow it was situation. clear skies, seventy and sunny, but not. They had to do it tonight. <laughs> so they launch these missiles, get caught in the storm, blown over in the little old Liechtenstein, and uh, the missiles land in a forest and create a huge fire and do some pretty big environmental damage poor Liechtenstein. if you're only the size of dc i mean not saying dc is necessarily small i mean but in the in the, in in the, the grand scheme of, of things country right uh is Liechtenstein like bumped up right next to switzerland is that what you're telling? oh yeah oh yeah that switzerland like wraps around <laughs> <laughs> so how unlucky do you have to be both from the individuals firing said missiles and from the receiving end of that, to have it, you have a country that wraps around all around your country, but somehow in the storm manages to pinpoint exactly in your forest <laughs> and set everything ablaze. Exactly. Sounds a little sketchy, right? Seems intentional, if you ask me. So after this damage was done, fortunately, nobody was hurt. Just some environmental damage. But there was... That matters. Some, hey. It does. That, hey, that does matters. Matter. <laughs> so there was some outrage or outcry from Liechtenstein about this environmental damage, which right. is pretty justified. I would say so. And created some political discourse for a while, but eventually the situation was resolved by Switzerland paying Liechtenstein for the impact, um, several million francs. And Is that a lot? I'm not sure. I mean, is that, million, is that a lot or is that like yen? <laughs> several million anything is a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, a sev- several million grains of sand is a lot of sand. 
who can who can know honestly <laughs> but they they came back together and was able to push all that behind them right so there it is switzerland invaded Liechtenstein. but then they Good did stuff. again what what are you <laughs> so, doing so on accident presumably <laughs> So Switzerland didn't have enough. They wanted they wanted some some more of that political discourse. So in October thirteenth, nineteen ninety two, Switzerland accidentally in quotation marks invaded Liechtenstein again. Yo, this is not an accident anymore. <laughs> so the second time this happened, the Swiss Army had some cadets that they were sending on some maneuvers, getting them some training, and the cadets received written instruction. That they needed to post up an observation post in Treasonburg. Treasonburg? Treasonburg, which is a small, like, quaint village, population of about 2,500 people. Is that in Switzerland? And not in Switzerland. (laughs) Therein lies the issue. (laughs) So, there are several things that can kind of justify this. One is, uh, since... Liechtenstein doesn't have a military. Switzerland's military stands up for uh, Liechtenstein, kind of in the place of what they don't have. Is that is that legit, or is that just what they say? It's it's uh, as far as I know, it's legit. Okay, <laughs> that'd be a pretty bold claim. <laughs> what if it's just like a lie? Every time that Liechtenstein tries to communicate to the outside other countries, the Swiss just uh, intercept, intercept it. their messages. <laughs> like, no, 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 we got it. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> So, along with representing them as their military, they use the same money, they speak the same language, except in this town, <laughs> this town, oh, they no. speak a different German dialect that traces back to the 14th century. So, this little town that's not in their country, that doesn't speak their language, they quote-unquote get mixed up. And it sounds like that was their mission statement, and, their mission Yeah, set up a post there. So, after accidentally invading and posting up in the town, a lot of the people in the town are kind of, like, chilling for a while. They're, nobody's causing any trouble, so they don't say anything for a little bit. But then there are a couple of the citizens are just like, why are you guys here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, reasonable question. And word climbs up the Swiss Army chain. They figure out, oh, crap, this isn't our country. They pull their guys out, and they apologize to Liechtenstein and the Liechtenstein government, uh, that was the first time of them hearing the, about this. They oh found out that Lord. they were invaded by another country by that country. Hey, when was the first one and when was the second occasion? So the first one was in 1985. Okay. December of 1985. And the second one was in October of 1992. Okay, so... Seven years, time for new re- like time for hey, a second invasion. Show yeah. up and sign who's boss. Like, hey, don't forget. <laughs> thought, thought you forgot about us, huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's creepy, man. So yeah. Switzerland's really uh, an aggressive country. We just didn't know it. They didn't know it. it just it's in their exactly. innate. It's innate. And in this second invasion, nobody was harmed again but this time there's no damages done whatsoever so no no compensation needs to be swapped but it is a a hit to the swiss ego Mm. and it stirs up conversations of like do we really need this military force and blah 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 sure and you know it's kind of just that conversation seems kind of justified because when we roll up to 2007 the swiss strike for a third time 
<laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> now I see the play. <laughs> the, the Swiss is everything is intentional now. This is this is my belief. Yeah, you, I mean three times is. I don't think that's an accident. No so, way. So this time, it gets traced back to a dark and stormy night again, where they, they, they think they'd learn, right? Where, where one hundred seventy-one Swiss Army infantry soldiers are training maneuvers. They don't have any GPS. The storm's so bad that they can't see further than several feet in front of their faces. They're kind of wandering around. They don't have guns. They just have their Swiss Army knives in the dark, in the storm, wandering around. What is happening? And when the storm clears, they end up finding out, oh, we crossed the border again. Oh, dang it. (laughs) So, So this time they just decided they would slap the first two together. They're doing maneuvers in the storm this time. It's just not right. Right. <laughs> let's see. How much can we get away with? The last so, time there was a storm. Let's just send in some soldiers. Nothing. Nothing serious. Okay. We've occupied. Great. Pull back out. Same. The guy. The guy who planned this maneuver. He's like, okay. Seven years have passed. It's time to go again. Okay. This is good. <laughs> now what? Another eight, seven, fifteen years has passed. Time to go again. <laughs> Just waiting, always they waiting. They forgot. They forgot this. They thought this was over. Yeah, it's a never-ending war on Liechtenstein from Switzerland. So this again, uh, Liechtenstein found out from the Swiss after it happened. Um, it's a uh, embarrassment to the military again, uh-huh. and Liechtenstein so. just kind of throws their hands up in the air and. Uh, Says, who else could it be invading us other than the Swiss? Hey, you know what? Just stay. Just stay at this point. We don't care anymore. <laughs> like, you like it's fine. So much. How about we just trade? We'll take yours. You yeah, take we'll take the big one with the big army. What's up? <laughs> but yeah, Swiss, um, quote unquote, accidentally invading Liechtenstein. It seems like Accident. it's about time for another one soon. So yeah, we're your, overdue. Keep your ear to the ground. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you're listening from Liechtenstein, uh, you might want to watch your back. Watch your borders. Godspeed. Because <laughs> the Swiss are after you. Alrighty. My turn to, uh, to bring forth some knowledge. And I will again be bringing forth a Frenchman. His name is Yves Klein. It's Y-V-E-S, Klein, K-L-E-I-N. My man was born on uh, in 1928, lived to be, lived till 1962. Uh, for the majority of his life, he was an artist. He dabbled in paintings and music uh, and also judo, but we'll get into all of those respectfully. So... For the start of his career, everything was more or less straightforward. He put put forth a couple art pieces, and some were well-received and some weren't. It was in 1947-48-ish when he started to go a little off the rails. What I mean by that, Jason, is he started creating monotone symphonies. Now, if you had to hazard a guess <laughs> based on the the, the title of what it is. 
I picture him just walking up onto stage by himself, staring at the audience awkwardly for about a minute and a half, okay. and then just screeching for as long as he can, <laughs> at this, making the same noise for as long as he can. Well, you're mostly right. It is a symphony played to a single note. You're wrong, though, in that it was only as long as he could do it because... Okay, he got all of his friends together and they... Yep, that's closer. (laughs) He screeched, and when he ran out of wind, the next one screeched. At the exact same pitch. So what it was, it was 20 minutes of one note being played, followed by 20 minutes of silence. (laughs) And he had multiple symphonies. The man was a genius. He just came up with, if you can believe it, more than one way to do a monotone symphony. Yeah, I, I would say it's however many notes there are is how many monotone symphonies he could do. Probably. What gets me with these, and I'm going to try to just leave the 20 minutes of one note, <laughs> just leave that where it is, followed by 20 minutes of silence is what I read here. <laughs> what do you do while you're on stage for 20 minutes? <laughs> what do you do when you're in the audience staring at somebody trying to figure out what to do? What is that dynamic like when someone's looking at you after they've just done 20 minutes of a single note, just staring at you? I imagine there's a lot of eyebrow wiggles going back and forth between them. A couple of like small smirks like, hey, what'd you think? Hey, what'd you think? <laughs> exactly. Like a couple uh eyebrow raises like, huh? That was a good 20 minutes of How about uh, it? <laughs> monotone, huh? Yeah. You never thought one note could sound so good, did you? <laughs> could you imagine? Imagine watching somebody trying to convince you with their with their facial expressions that what they just did for 20 minutes was good. No, I can't because I don't want any part about it. Um, I have to see the, the thing about it, Jason, is you couldn't go up to use Klein and make fun of him or demean his work because the gentleman was also a fourth degree black belt in judo. He was the first European to rise to that rank. And he did so in 1953, only five years after his uh, monotone symphonies came to light. You know why he was probably the first person to do that there? Why? Because he didn't have to practice very long for his job. <laughs> Just, <laughs> what are you saying? Like, hey, what are you he saying? <laughs> I'm saying he takes five minutes, picks out his note, and then he's done. He goes practice doing his jujitsu. <laughs> jujitsu. <laughs> it is judo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd think so, um, that he, he was sort of basically had nothing else to worry about. But only a year later, after he achieved that rank, he went on to be the technical director of the Spanish judo team in 1954. So he was a man of varying and very high level, it seems, uh, aspirations and accomplishments. Okay. Well, he sounds like he had one thing that he was had high aspirations and showed himself skillful in, and the other one he just blew into an instrument for twenty minutes. You're hurtful. I want you to know that you're hurtful. <laughs> well, let's get into his uh, his artistic career a little bit afterwards. Afterwards, after he uh, spent time working judo and and working with the Spanish judo team. He started painting monochromes, Jason. <laughs> now, if you had to guess, what, <laughs> based on the word and definition of monochrome uh, as his artwork, what do you suppose those might be? And are you like, noticing a pattern? <laughs> I feel like he probably had some type of chromatic paint. Okay. He spilled it on the ground. 
or on the canvas. He just uh, dropped his canvas into it, <laughs> picked it up, donezo. Again, pretty dang close. There's a series of canvases he brought into an exhibition, and the name of the exhibition is in one of the articles we'll put in the description. But here are the titles of some of them. Blue. <laughs> Orange. <laughs> yellow. Red. And pink. Now, he didn't get the reaction he wanted to from these. And he Jason made too much money selling them. <laughs> the Jason, Jason, the reason behind his... Uh, the reaction not being exactly what he wanted is that for some reason people thought that they were part of a mosaic that they somehow worked in tandem with each other and not standalone pieces he was very frustrated at this so he came back with a follow-up exhibition with 11 identical pieces of art- artwork all colored blue <laughs> The See, fun thing about this, though, is that all of them were priced differently. Now, Jason, my question to you, what would cause a man <laughs> to price these things differently? And what about different hues of blue do you think should make them more expensive or cheaper? The people want to know. What would make the color? Okay. Number one, how big is a canvas? You got a okay. small canvas, That's big fair. canvas. That that could change the price right there. Um, how how good the color blends together. Are there any brush brush strokes on this mm, blue? Nice. Um, Jason, you're and, showing your, your colors. You're showing your true colors as well. In and, a monochrome fashion, you are crushing the game. <laughs> and, and if the color's significantly lighter or significantly darker, mm. it should cost more. The further away from the neutral blue, okay, the more expensive. <laughs> so you could just do like a lot of white mixed with a little bit of blue, and you think because that's farther away from the purest shade of blue... It's worth more. Exactly, but there has to be enough blue in mm, it that it. you would that it, it creates a good even tone. Like if you have too much mm. white and it's not mixed thoroughly, some parts of it might fade to a to just a white, and True. I mean that's going to drive the price down. Jason Wright, the art critic, ladies and gentlemen, well done. <laughs> <laughs> so there was some frustration with that. You exhibition know, as well he should he should have went the other direction with it right every he he's just painting these however many colors he painted and people are like oh they're actually interested in it for whatever reason sure. <laughs> and they're like these must all go together mm-hmm. and then he should have maybe created another painting where he used all the colors and you could align as like them a centerpiece. As yeah, so or you could align them all up where they create like one big color wheel or something, and everybody would have thought he was amazing and planned this out for so long, even yeah. though <laughs> it's just colors. Even um, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So sorry. I want to talk about another one of his exhibitions that followed, and this one he called uh, the Void. And what he Black. did <laughs> is he removed everything from a gallery space. <laughs> That's so much better. <laughs> Except for a big old cabinet, and he painted it white. Now, on opening <laughs> night, he did he did some extravagance. Obviously, he painted a couple things blue, as as was his usual for a, a big introduction. But beyond that, it was just the void. Now, he did have a great quote following that as he moved on to bigger and better projects, which we'll just touch on briefly. But in part of the quote, he said, My paintings will now be invisible. So that's the ultimate con. Again, 
the ultimate con is convincing everybody you have invisible paintings. You could even sell them for $5 a piece. The invisible painting is the best con. That's true. I think this guy started to get a little bit more off the rails than just the monochrome and monotones. Because there's a, a photo of him basically doing a swan dive style jump from a wall um, towards a uh, pavement, I will say. <laughs> and it's called Sao Dunes La Vide. Or I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it in, in French, obviously, but it translates to leap into the void. And what he convinced himself of and what was his endeavor for a couple years following that, that photo was that he could, quote, perform unaided lunar travel. And Jason, what this means to a common man like yourself, like myself, yeah. is that he could fly. <laughs> he sounded like he could fly straight down. <laughs> Based on the trajectory of this picture, I imagine that is what happened to him. <laughs> but who is to say, honestly? <laughs> um, is this the, guy like actually? Do you know if he was like actually famous? Like, did people yeah, pay attention to him? Yes, or was people, he just like a loon? I think people actually paid attention to him because. It wasn't hard to find extensive details um, on all of his exhibitions as well as his um, lunar travel endeavors. So it, it's not like it went by without notice. And it wasn't Arts. something that was more famous after the fact. It was, it was absolutely relevant at the time. Art is weird. Art is weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very fair assessment, Jason. But yeah, that is a, a bit about... Yves Klein, again, 1928, 1962, musician, judo, artist, first man to fly, we'll never know. That's going to do it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. Helps us out a bunch. Uh, We really can't say how much it is extensive, how much the reviews matter. Uh, If you're interested in contacting us with one of your stories or you want us to dig into something that you know about or have had happened to you you can reach us at our social medias fig of my reality on facebook twitter and instagram and figment of my reality at gmail.com here's up with that fact our piece of reality for this week is if you lift a kangaroo's tail off the ground it can't hop my name is jeremy bales i'm jason Wright. talk to you next week 